Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Erkang Jung. Uh, Erkang, if you could give a little background on yourself and your company. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, Tony, thank you for having me. Very excited to share a little bit of my story and Jupiter One story here with everyone. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Jupiter One. Uh, Jupiter One, or J1 for short, as we call it, uh, is a cybersecurity software platform, uh, software as a service. Uh, it is essentially a data platform for cyber asset management and analysis, and it is the foundation for modern cybersecurity programs uh, for tech-enabled companies in various industries, financial services, fintech, and um, biotech, and, and so on and so forth. And uh, I myself has been a cybersecurity practitioner and former CISO for the past 20-something years. My, uh, throughout my entire career. And I built J1 to solve a lot of my own challenges as a practitioner and uh, hoping to have a operating system or a centralized platform that the entire cybersecurity program can anchor on from a data-driven, engineering-driven approach to answer all sorts of questions based on the visibility and the analysis that we can do throughout the entire technology stack and assets in the digital operations. Okay. So that part is always uh, always a little bit fascinating to me um, is the kind of the, or, the origin story, so to speak, is you know, sure. and, and, and especially when, you know, when you're doing something that's innovative, but I think anyone who's, who's a founder, anyone who decides, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm going to start a company does so because they think they have an innovative solution like you know they, they 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 see a problem and they think that they have a solution for that i mean i think it's yeah. you know there are probably examples out there of companies who are just like hey i see you know that company is doing a thing let's just copy them um <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure they exist but for the yeah. most part yeah. i think um you know that a founder sees a problem and and tries to solve yeah. it and and yeah some of the conversations i've had even you know, in other podcasts this year have been with founders who were previously managers or executives in companies that were related. You know, there was like, it, it, they're not direct competitors, but it was a similar thing. And it was basically <laughs> that, you know, they were in a position where they, they could, they could see the, the, the tech landscape and say, okay, well, <laughs> the company I'm at is doing this but I really think we need to be doing this. And then, you know, they leave and start their start their own thing. Um, right. You know, and, and you know, sounds like you're like the, similar to what you described that, you know, there was you, you saw this, you, you saw that there was a, a, a problem or a need. Um, and. You know, I, I guess. I, I, I'd be curious to know, you know, sort of. Yeah. A little bit more like what was the need that you saw? Like I like a, a lot of companies now talk about, you know, visibility, comprehensive visibility. You can't yeah. fix what you can't yeah. see. All of those kind of yeah. things like that. Every, everyone has adopted those mantras. Um, sure. But but what was the what was the problem that you set out to solve? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question, right? So let's start with the mantra of uh, you can't protect what you can't see, right? So of course, I mean, when you say it out loud, it's pretty obvious, right? But what, what does that mean, right? So as with anything, right? So it's always the dev the devil's in the details, right? So so really it's two things, right? So what what is it that you are trying to see? So that's question number one, right? Because you say, yeah, you can't protect what you can't see, but what is it? What are you trying to see? What are you trying to have visibility to? And second, 
is now what does that mean right so once you see it what does that mean uh, you see something do you really understand it right so let me, let me just touch on two things right so you know let's think about the the evolution of uh cyber and cybersecurity, and in comparison to the the evolution of it and technology in general right so we have seen digital transformation we have seen cloud adoption we have seen all these great technologies and the latest trend being ai and all those stuff right so the the technology is evolving and moving and and at a at a evolutionary speed that we have never seen before right it's just constantly at that speed and every organization is becoming a digital organization through digital transformation and you know all these initiatives regardless of the industry insights uh, it's just you know how when and and uh, how fast do you get there now on the other hand right so cyber or cybersecurity has always been sort of this kind of counterpart to IT and engineering and technology but it's it feels like it's always catching up and being reactive right so engineering technology has been through devops and you know all of these automation first and data driven engineering approach to all the the things that they're building but security has a little bit been behind with these IT driven analytic analysis analyst driven you know and administrations you know type of approach right then then you become sort of the blockers of things right but and then if you think about the the job of the CISO it has been expanded so much over the past couple of years is been it used to be an IT function, right? So to to help protect the systems and the technology, and then it has to do with a lot of the compliance, right? I see your book behind it, behind you, PCI compliance, right? So that's just one of them, right? But then, you know, then then it also evolves into a risk management and the business enabling function across the board, across across the entire business and the entire technology. So now, if you take all of these into consideration, so what is it that you're having visibility to? Is it your IT systems? Not really. Is it the business? Yes. Then what does that mean, right? So now think back that a business is a digital business, is a technology business now, right? So what that means is that the visibility you need is the entirety of that digital transformation stack, right? So your entire digital function from IT to engineering, to code, to applications, to user, to SaaS, to digital identities, to policies and access, and of course the traditional stuff, the, the networks and the servers and the endpoints and all those things, right? And you have to combine all of those and think about, we used to have CMDBs, configuration management databases, right? But they're very static for IT. Right now, on the flip side, you have this, you know, ever-changing, very dynamic digital infrastructure for your business, for your organization. So that's what we need. That's the visibility that we have to have. It's that complete stack for your digital and cyber operations. So that's exactly. first. And the second part is, you know, I mentioned, you know, okay, then what, right? So what? now you see those things and so what? Because a lot of, you know, you, you're saying something about, yeah, there are other very similar offerings and products and companies out there right but what i would draw the key difference is then you, you can have visibility and then the so what you know having visibility is a means to the end is not the end you, you you need to be able to understand and digest and consume and then use that to turn that into insights to do something 
you, you probably are familiar with this uh, pyramid that has, you know, data to knowledge, to insight, to wisdom, uh -huh. right? So this pyramid, how do we go up that pyramid? Most products even provide the, the ones that do visibility, they do the consolidation of data to provide quote unquote visibility, but they don't provide you the insights. They don't provide you the wisdom for you to understand what that data means to you. Now what's missing? What's missing is the context, right? So okay. that's what we do differently with J1 is when we bring that complete, and again, the complete data set that describes your cyber operations, your digital operations, and all the assets and configurations and attributes and risks and findings, we then connect the dots. So that the, the context is in the relationships, right? So let me give you a simple example. So Tony, you're a podcast host, and I'm the founder of a, a tech startup, and individually, there's a set of attributes that describe you, there's a set of attributes that describe me, but nothing that describes how do we know each other? How are we connected? Why are we talking today? Right? And that's the relationship. That's the context. So yeah. J1 has the complete data set and the context. So, so that people using that data, not just have visibility, they have understanding, they have insights, and they can use that as a means to the end to actually accomplish something, you know, be compliance or operations or prioritization or something. Yeah. That makes sense. It, you know, and when you talk about the the you know the pyramid, um, you know, just you know, there 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 is a a segment of companies out there that do you know, comprehensive asset inventory. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna scour the network. I'm gonna find everything that has an IP address, and I'm gonna give you this. You know, here's a database. Here's here's all the things on your network. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's kind of the that's kind of the bottom of the pyramid in terms of visibility. It's like yes, you've told me all the things on my network. I think you know, and I I, I always do I always do throw a little monkey wrench in there of the okay, but you don't know what you don't know. Like as you know, you can yeah. you can you could say you're as comprehensive as you want, but there's no way to there, you can't prove a negative. So there's no way to know if there's still something outside of that yeah. uh, outside yeah. of that view. But yeah. that's that's layer one. Then you have companies that come along and say, okay, well, you know, and this is a different segment, sec sector, but you could, you know, come along and say, well, I'm going to do vulnerability management. So now I'm going to tell you, yeah, all of all the things in your network, here's all the ones that have problems. Mm -hmm. But again, that, that, that's better. It's, 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 it's a step above, but, but mm -hmm. it's not good enough still because to your point, it's still missing the context. It's like, I don't just need to know that XYZ server has this vulnerability. I need to know what's on XYZ server, who's using XYZ server, what is the XYZ server connected to? You know, if, if it did get hacked, what would the impact be? You know, what's exactly. the, what are the potential, you know, dominoes that fall after that? And, yeah. and all of those things. You need the whole the whole picture of why, you know, not, you know, so knowing knowing that it's there. So what? Knowing that it's vulnerable and then knowing like okay, but why why do I care? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so so let's unpack that a little bit, right? So so you're hitting on two very important things, right? So so one is uh, the the visibility of what's visible, right? Two is the the context, right? So so just going back to even if I were able to scan the entire network, right? But but now the digital operations are so much beyond the network. A lot of those are software defined. They are not even on the network. They don't have an IP address, right? So let's just say in the cloud you have a a data store is an S3 bucket. It does not have 
an IP address. It's software defined. It has an endpoint that you can access, you know, via the internet or via some applications and, and so on, right? And there is a user identity and there's a code repository and there is an access policy and there are all these things that do not have IP addresses associated. They are not on your network. You can go scan them, but you're not going to find them, right? So, so first is we have to be able to aggregate in completeness all of these resources or entities and their attributes and configurations and so on and so forth from your entire operations, right? So that's step one, not just the network. You can scan the network, great, right? But then on the other hand, right? So you talk about vulnerability management and prioritization of these findings. I, you know, we've seen this industry evolve, right? So, but just over the past 20 plus years, I have yet to seen a company that come back and tell us, I have fewer number of findings than I had last year. Never happens. There's always more. The business is more complex. You got more stuff going on. You yeah. know, you got more attackers and you have more, you know, vulnerabilities being discovered, right? There's always more, right? But you don't always have more resources. You don't always have more funding, right? You don't, you certainly don't have more time. So how do you deal with it, right? So that's where the second part comes in, the context, right? The context then is then how do we associate critical findings, which the scanner will tell you, right? So they're rated critical, they're rated high, but there's still like thousands of them, sometimes hundreds of thousands of them, right? Then how do you compare that or connect the dots to the assets that are, that are critical? And now let's think about how do you define an asset that is critical? It is the business context. It is the blast radius. It is the users who have access to it. It is the data that that resource has access to the classification of the systems and so on and so forth, right? There's a set of contextual criteria that define why an asset is critical versus another one that is less critical. So if we can codify that in a data-driven way, right, using a centralized system that again has the aggregation of everything and the relationships and the context so that we can actually define a subset of the assets as critical. Then we connect the dots to the findings that are critical on those critical assets. Then that's how you prioritize, right? And when something happens, whether it's proactively I've identified a vulnerability or reactively there's an incident, there's an alert on a particular resource, then I can immediately know, is it critical? And what is the blast radius? Who can I go? talk to you to help solve this problem and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, one of the things uh, you, you, you kind of threw in there earlier is, you know, is the kind of a, an aside, but is is uh, the the big trend obviously this year is uh, with AI and more specifically gen generative AI and everyone's, you know, chat GPT and um, there's a there's a website uh, someone pointed me to called the uh, future futurepedia and it just is like a database of like all of the AI tools that are out there and and it's just insane you know how how fast all of that's growing <laughs> at the same time you know a lot of that comes back to like 
pretty much every company at this point, because it's the hot buzzword, everyone has a generative AI. Like that—that yeah. that is now part of everything. Um, I talked to someone last week who said they were getting ready to deploy a non-generative AI, uh, like chatbot, and then the 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 C-suite came back and said, no, 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 hold <laughs> hold up, make it generative. You know, like we can't just deploy a, a traditional AI; it has to be generative AI. Um, <laughs> So that's that, that's obviously the big buzzword. That said, okay. not you know, from a from a layperson's perspective, that might make sense. Like from a you know, in in terms of a buzzword, like just being able to say, hey, we have the, we have a generative AI tool. Yeah, yeah. But when you dig deeper, it's like, okay, well, they're not all created equally. I mean, it comes down to, you know, what's the data it's been trained on? What's the you know, how's how's how is it working? And ultimately, it comes down to being able to ask the right question. Like you know, because I I I've used the example of um, you know, like the 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 genie, and you're asking for your three wishes or whatever. And it's like you have to be careful how you phrase your question, because you might get an answer that is technically answers your question and yet doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of that is a very long segue into, um, you know, I know uh, J one introduced a, a, a natural language search AI powered, um, you know, part of the platform. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I wanted you to, I guess, kind of talk about, um, you know, the, the Jupyter One implementation of AI and, and how mm -hmm. that helps customers. How does that streamline or yeah. improve security uh, yeah. for customers? Yeah, well, uh, definitely, right? So there's certainly a lot of buzz around Gen AI. And, but the the reality is, you know, AI has been around for a while, right? And it's just that generative AI made it more relevant for uh, the the lay person, right? So in the the everyday use case of you know doing something, asking a question, getting some answers, or generating responses based on a prompt and things like that, right? It just it just made it a a, a lot more. Uh, you know, adoptable and um, and and approachable, right? So for everyone to understand and use it. Now, and you know, people interact in natural language, right? So natural language processing has been around for a while, and also part of AI is also machine learning, right? That has been around for a while, right? So there's a lot of things that that J1 is doing that is not just limited to using Gen AI, right? So we have other things going on that hopefully that we will have. Uh, product releases to share later on this year, right? But immediately, right? So leveraging Gen AI, it is to make the complex data that we have that we previously described all those things. So you've got millions of things and they're all connected, right? How do you make sense of it? If I have a question, I, you know, naturally I want to be able to just ask that question, right? If you have the data, you answer that question, right? But before Gen AI, and what we have created is a querying interface, or you know, like any database, right? But in this case, is a graph querying that we call J1QL. So you can query not just the data, but relationships and the context, right? So in this type of query language. Now we have also generated a ton, a library of thousands of natural language questions that we've pre-built. Translate that into queries, right? So the ability to have Gen AI to understand J1QL and the data structure and the syntax and have examples of previously built questions and so on and so forth 
then it just allows users to ask anything in natural language. Yeah. Right. So even non-technical, non-security people, right? So you know, my HR person can come to J1 and say, "Hey, how many people did we hire in California last month?" It's not a security question, but we have the data, and she can ask that the question in natural language. We can give that answer back, right? So, and that's the power of J1's data combined with Gen AI and natural language processing and the and the questions. Yeah. Right? So to to let people ask anything. Well, and as you were talking about it, and I I, I hadn't thought about this before, but it reminded me of. And I'm, I'm dating myself some, but like when I was, you know, first started with my Commodore 64 and, you know, playing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which, you know, that was a text-based adventure, but even games like King's Quest or whatever. Um, in the early days of gaming, it had a very limited vocabulary. It was, a, you know, like if you, you mm. had to ask the question in precisely the right way um, right. In, or, in order for the game to work. And so... Part of being good at those games was, you know, just trying to learn. Okay, what's the syntax this game understands? Yeah. Um, you fast forward five, ten, fifteen years. Obviously, games have changed. You know, well, now games are really, really changed. But, but even even when you were still doing like text-based input, they 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 evolved to the point where you could just say something, and 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 mm -hmm. they expanded the vocabulary of the game so that it would, you know, if you said walk. It would give you like, you know, it would, it would understand that as like all of the possible connotations of the word walk instead of, you know, having you having to say exactly the right thing. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it's a kind of a similar evolution from machine learning to, you know, AI to generative AI and natural language, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, is, is the underlying data might still be the same data. It's just we've. Yeah. sort of democratized the ability to access that data because you don't have to first yeah. learn a specific language to, to in order to be able to to, to extract yeah. information. That That's exactly right, right? So I, I love the term that you use, right? So democratize the ability to access and understand that complex data, right? And that's actually part of the, the mantra of uh, why I built J1 is to democratize security so that is a quote-unquote basic right for every organization. Whether you have dedicated security teams or whether you have uh, engineers who can understand how to operate security or not, right? You should be able to just ask the questions in, you know, in the most natural way and get answers back. I mean, and and the use cases are the same essentially, right? So if you think about, you know, if a PCI auditor comes in and say, hey, you know, is your data store uh, encrypted in production in the PCI uh, scope environment? Yeah, that's that's an auditor question, but it can also be an operational security question. It's just asked by a different team and different people for maybe different reasons, right? But the answers are all in the data. So if we just provide the ability for different users, different personas to add, to ask different questions for whatever purpose and reasons, the answers, again, the answers are all in the data. Well, and in terms of being able to streamline it, so not only does it democratize access, you know, like you said, you don't have to be a security expert to to query the platform. You can just ask what you want to ask and, and get an answer. Not only does it do that, but it significantly streamlines uh, getting things done because all of these things are you know, like, no matter what question I ask, if the data is there, I could have gotten it 
there, there, there was a longer way for me to get that information. You know, I mean, it, it, once upon a time, I might have had it all in, a, in an Excel spreadsheet. I'd have to go figure out, you know, there, there, there is a manual process for, that you could use to, to, you know, find the information that you're looking for. Yeah. But just being able to say, you know, hey, how many systems do we have on the network that are, you know, running Windows 11 or whatever? Um, and, and just get that answer. That's right. It, you know, it, it, like I said, I could I could find that out the hard way or I could get yeah. that answer in two seconds. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why J1 is so powerful and, and so compelling for uh, our customers, right? Is that, you know, work that used to take hours and days, you can literally get the answers in seconds. And that's the difference, right? So it, it just feels like, you know, you have that virtual assistant, right? So So with you, you know, for for the security teams. Yeah, I mean, uh, for years now, I mean, we're, and we're, we we keep getting a little bit closer, but for years, um, what I want from 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 AI, and I've said this about Siri in particular for years. Don't, I have to look around, make sure no devices start turning on, uh, just because I said the said the word. Yeah. Um, but it is, I want the. I want the experience to be more like uh, Tony Stark talking to Jarvis in in an Iron Man movie. Mm. You know, it's like it's not yeah. just a thing. It's not just a a way to verbally interact and do Google searches. Basically, yeah. Yeah. it's I want it to be a little bit smarter than that. You know, I want, yeah. like I said, in, in the case of Siri, in the case of Google, in the case of Alexa, whatever. Yeah. Whatever platform you choose, I want it to be like I think it should come like one way out of the box. You know, there's there's kind of the default like this is this is this is what it looks like when it's raw, mm -hmm. but over time it should learn me. You know, like so mm -hmm. my my Siri should be different than your Siri should be different than my wife's Siri um, sure. because it should learn you. It knows my calendar. It knows my health stats. It knows you know my music preferences and. Therefore, when I do ask a question, I expect an answer that is much more personalized and customizable to yeah. me. Um, yeah. You know, kind of goes I, back to what we were talking about earlier with context. It's like I want, I want, right. the, I want the AI to understand the context of me. And in the yeah. case of J1, it's like as a customer, I want that I, I want your AI to understand the context of my environment. Exactly, and that's the future. Right? So that's the future of AI. That's the future of J1. And that's the future of a lot of enterprise software as well, right? Is to leverage the advancement in AI to be to provide more precise, more streamlined and personalized, right? In this case, then it's personalized based on company data information and business context, right? So when you ask the questions, it it takes all those into account to provide the answers. Okay. Um, yeah. I want to switch uh switch gears slightly and just kind of broaden things out a little bit you know so just like you know you, you you've been in cybersecurity for a long time you're you're you know a founder and 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 uh you know tech executive of a cybersecurity company um so i kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the threat landscape today and kind of where things are going i mean you know we've had a couple high profile you know things mm -hmm. happen recently like you know mm -hmm. with mgm and mm -hmm. you know, although I will say it's it's interesting to me, like when you go back a couple of years to like 
you know, colonial pipeline. And you and you mm-hmm. say, okay, well, you know, ransomware is a is a huge problem. It took out, you know, oil production on the entire eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, yes, but ultimately that kind of came down to poor identity hygiene and not cleaning up a VPN account. I mean, it's like we 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 sort of we sort of assign these attributes to cyber attacks where we think that they're mass, magical and mystical and 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 they're very advanced. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and most of the time it's something simple. I mean, in the case of MGM, yeah. it was yeah. social engineering. You know, so it's like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, yes, there are there are certainly zero day attacks. There are certainly very sophisticated exploits out there in the world. But it seems like a lot of the highest profile attacks basically come down to poor security practices. Yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. And, and that's spot on. It's a great question. Right. So what's what's the future landscape for threat? Right. So you know, I'm going to talk about this in sort of two ways. Right. So one is. Uh, you know, with the advancement and the speed that technology evolves, it certainly becomes more advanced, more complex, and more difficult to protect. Right. So there's just so much going on, right? And things change all the time. And there's some always something new. And now we're we have to think about you know AI attacks. You know how people are hacking and attacking the uh, the the AI models and jailbreaking the AI guardrails and you know stuff like that, right? And then we have people leveraging that to do uh, a lot more sophisticated phishing and you know all of those things, right? And uh, you know leveraging AI to write code for malicious reasons. And there's a lot of things that are just coming at us of because of the advancement in technology and how they are being used for the malicious um, purposes, right? Just just as with anything, right? Any technology, you can use it for good and use it for bad, right? But on the flip side, there's a lot of things that are at the basics level, at the foundational, at the hygiene level, at the, you know, program core, business foundations and, you know, fun- fundamental level that are causing these high profile breaches that we're seeing. So now what's the connection, right? So are we saying that we should just focus on the basics or are we saying that we should ignore the you know advanced stuff, right? So, but actually there's a connection, right? The reason that covering the basics and the hygienes and so on and so forth is becoming so hard isn't because that we don't want to do it. It's because of the other things, right? It's because of these all of these additional changes and the dynamic nature of things and the continuous evolution of things, and it's making covering the basics so hard, right? It's like if you only have five things to protect, yeah, I can cover the basic pretty easily. I can, you know, do the hygiene around those five things pretty easily. If I only have five users, eh, pretty easy, right? But if you have millions of them, and they're all the attack surface, right, is so vast, and there's so many things, and you have thousands and hundreds of users that are touching millions of things. If you think about it that way, then the basics becomes not the basics anymore. It just becomes so hard. To do those at scale, the, the scale definitely is, it gets to be overwhelming. And 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 in terms of, you know, I, I talk frequently about uh, you know the tech landscape keeps keeps growing and and evolving, as does the threat landscape. And 
the reality, and you you just you just address this, but the the re, the reality of the tech landscape is every time something comes out that is you know great for me, you know, it makes my life easier, makes it more convenient for me. It also makes it more convenient for the attackers. Like that, that's, that's right. always that's always a double edged sword. Like if it, if yeah. it's easier for me to access, then it's also easier for the attackers to access. Yeah. You know, once they figure out how to compromise it, and yeah. you know to you know, use a very overused, uh, you know, saying or whatever. On the cybersecurity side, you've got to be right 100% of the time. The attackers only have to be right once. You know, you you you've got to you've got to protect everything all the time. And as an attacker, I only have to find one weak link sure. to get in. Yeah, but that that that's also not entirely true, though, right? Because you know, the it's also it's also a sequence of events that leads to the bigger attacks. Right, so it's not just that oh one person failed and click on a link, right? But it's not just that one event. It's a sequence of things that leads to a bigger eventual compromise, True. right? True. So, so I, I think then going back to to the the basic, right, and going back to all these evolutions, right? So then, I, I think a lot of times that we have this tendency of saying, hey, what's the next gen tool to address this next gen challenge, right? right. And and. I, I think it's not just that. I, I think a lot of times, you know, we have to go back and, and not just be so reactive and say, what is the better version of X, right? Not just doing things better, but doing things differently, right? So, so that's, that's, again, going back to J1, this is why I built J1, and, and this is why uh, I think a lot of people who understand it sees the tremendous amount of potential, and, and, but then there are people who, who hasn't really got to that point of understanding what that is, right, is that, you know, we need to look at the basics differently. Right? So, because you know what we're what we're doing with J1 with asset with visibility and all of those is not new, is not sexy necessarily, is not the AI this or you know the, uh, the the GPT that right so stuff like that. But it really is rethink about how you build a program around scalable basics, right? And how do you think about changing a security? function from a policing and blocking function to a enabling and wellness function. And what is that fundamental right. platform or tool or uh, data that you need to support that program, not just to support that singular use case, right? So I think we need to make program level changes in order for this to really get to the next level. Otherwise, we're always just going to be slap one more thing on, one more bandaid right. on, and continue to be reactive to things. Yeah, I mean, to 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 your point, um, you know, even in the case of Colonial Pipeline or MGM, is like there were there were obviously weak links, and attackers figure out how to exploit those weak links. But when you go to the next level, you have to say, okay, but what else was missing from your process, or what else was missing from your network to allow? that right. one that one weak link to blow up into this whole other thing it's yeah, like just because i let all you the door doesn't mean I, yeah. I need to let you blow the whole house up yeah, um exactly. you know so so you know so yeah there's a there is a chain reaction of things and you know and you know i i also you know when i was when i was on the other side of the fence when i was in working as a security architect i would go into clients and you know it might be after they had suffered an attack and and the, and and the, the and the first thing is always, you know, okay, well, you know, now that we've had this attack, 
um, you know, we've got we've got budget. What do we need to buy to fix yeah. this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would always kind of come in and say, well, hold on, let's let's understand what you have already. Like, you know, because yeah. you've already got tools in place that maybe could have done the job. Like just just buying a new tool isn't going to solve your problem because it, it, it kind of it always comes back to, you know, basic security practices and 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 that you know the the, the good old fashioned 80/20 rule where it's like you know if you just did these things right you would eliminate 80% of the problems and then you could then you can go find what shiny new tool you need for the other 20%. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to talk about that for for a second, right? So cuz you know what I'm going to say is it sounds counterintuitive, right? So it feels like in order to prevent or detect and block these um, next gen attacks like what happened with Colonial, what happened with MGM, and this next wave of AI driven things, and so on and so forth. You need to focus on the advanced next gen stuff. Right? It's, naturally, it feels that way, right? But I think it's the opposite, right? Because the reason is you have limited resources and team and budget and all of those and time. You spend so much time focused on the noise because you don't know what's the noise and what's real, what's the advanced stuff, right? So, you know, if we have the technology and tooling to take care of the basic stuff, the mundane and the, the noisy stuff so that we can actually allow the smart people that you do have to focus on the 20% or the 2% and not just think about I need this magic bullet for that 20% and the 2%. Right. Think about you. You want the magic bullet. You want you want the technology to solve the eighty percent, so you can focus on the twenty percent, but not the other way around. Yeah. Well, and I think when you try to when 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 organizations try to do it the other way around, that's how you end up getting in trouble. Like if you that's if right. you think if you think that just buying the new the new fancy silver bullet is going to solve your problem, that's how you get into trouble. Exactly right. So 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 unfortunately, we see that a lot in the industry, right? So we see that you know because a company like us had this attack, and it's because of this type of threat, then I need the next generation XDR, then I need the next generation whatever, right? But instead, nobody is saying that oh, I should spend more money on this fundamentals of I don't know as a visibility, you know, or building a stronger program. Or enabling my people to, you know, prioritize better and you know, you know, sift through the noise in a faster and more efficient way, right? And and then I I all of a sudden magically get a budget for this next gen shiny tool, but I'm I continue to ne neglect the foundations of the program, you know, then then you're never gonna get there. You might have some, uh, you know, immediate. ROI that it seems to make everybody feel better. But the reality is in the long run, it doesn't really change the nature of the program. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see kind of how how things, yeah, the, the cybersecurity industry seems to be very uh, cyclical. I mean, it expands and then contracts. So we seem to be going through some sort of a contraction. There's a lot of, uh, you know, mergers and acquisitions and, and such that seem to be going on. Um, and, and I also see a lot of, I see increasing overlap between what our 
separate segments. You know, so you've got mm. people over here talking about identity security and privilege access management. People over here talking about, you know, next gen zero trust and zero trust architecture. And people over here yeah. are talking about exposure management and exploitability. And it's like, okay, well, there's a Venn diagram where all three of those things are kind of the same thing. Yeah. 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 You, you, you're noticing uh, a very key trend, right? So I think the industry is realizing that as well. Right. So I think it goes back to the reason for that happening is security catching up to IT and the and the digital transformation and the changes and the, the new technology that's coming up. Right. So in order to address that the quickest way possible, then something else comes out to react to that need from a security standpoint. Right. Tech goes here, needs protection, security goes here and protect it. Right. But but then over time it's created this dynamic of a lot of silos and overlapping and i think as an industry we're seeing the need to consolidate you see the you know MA is happening you see the platform uh, nature of focus right so there's aggregations there's consolidation from tech from companies right from capabilities right? i i do believe that is the the continued trend and that is the right way to approach it right and again going back to what we've been saying a lot right at the end of the day it's all about having the right data, doing the right analysis, and having them come together. Yeah. So there are controls at the individual controls level, very close to where the problem is, right? So maybe it's phishing detection, right? Maybe it's next-gen firewall, maybe it's a better encryption technology, maybe it's, you know, MFA, right? So those are the core controls at that technology uh, and the uh, in implementation of that problem specifically uh, space, right? But then in order for all of those to work well together and understand it and apply the right policies and apply the right prioritizations, then they all have to come together and that's where the consolidation becomes. Yeah. Um, all right, as we, you know, I guess, you know, sort of start to wind down, but um, it, yeah, I wanted to find out uh, if, there's anything you can share in terms of uh, what's on the horizon for Jupiter One? Is there, uh, you know, anything coming up in the, you know, in the next quarter, in the next, you know, year? Uh, well, I, I think that we we continuously come out with uh, new improvements, innovations, and so on, right? So I think for uh, the most foreseeable future, you know, we want to focus on enterprise scale, and we want to better support our customers, and you know, we want to be able to collect and aggregate more data in a more complete way. And we want to be able to continue to leverage AI to drive ease of use. And uh, and you also mentioned uh, things around, you know, vulnerability management. We have a lot of customers using J1 for those type of use cases, right? So we want to continue to invest in those specific use cases that drive actual uh, more actions on top of the data that we have on the platform, right? So. Uh, so those are a lot of the just the the blocking and tackling of scaling the business and supporting our customers. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I, I don't have any other questions. Is there any, any anything else on your mind, or uh, you know, we can uh, we can we can wrap up? But uh, uh, you know, sometimes I uh, I'll, I'll throw out the uh, you know. We can we can talk about uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek. We can talk about Marvel versus DC. You know, whatever whatever floats your boat. Oh no, I 
I'm I'm good. I, I just, that those this has been a super fun conversation, right? So I, I would, uh, you know, instead of the uh, the pop culture stories, you know, I I'd probably invite everybody to check out the actual customer stories of J1 on our website, right? So we have amazing stories from Odd Zero, Okta, SecureWorks, and you know, uh, Databricks, and many others, right? So that you can actually see how. Uh, others have transformed their security program, right? Okay. I'd love to uh, invite the audience to check it out. And 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 Tony, this has really been a fun conversation. Thank you. And and I will uh, I, I will link to that uh, you know in the in the blog post that goes with the podcast. So I'll link to some of those resources. And I also want to I already wrote about this, but I just want to uh, to take the opportunity to to emphasize that. Um, I'm a huge fan of the whole uh, the data heist concept, just because I just because I think it's 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 a it's an innovative, you know, engagement. You know, it's like you know yeah, I, I've yeah. been to I've been to you know 15 years of black hats and RSAs. I've been to all of the you know cocktail parties and and mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. of the hors d'oeuvres, um, and you know every once in a while there's there's an event that stands out as okay, but that's that's different. That's a that's a a fun and engaging way to you know you know bring people in and have conversations. And so yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Kudos to to Valerie who runs my uh, events on the marketing team and the entire marketing team. Right. So there's a lot uh, of creativity and thoughts that went into that. And you're right. And I, it was the same. I've been to all of those events, and uh, you know after a while they all look and feel the same. And you know we wanted to. You know, bring something a lot more fun, engaging, and unique, right, to the uh, to the community. Okay, all right, very good. Well, thank you for taking the time. Sounds good. Well, have a good one, Tony. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.